How are you? Good, man. Yeah. It's good to see you. How you been? Great to see you. I, uh, things have been kind of crazy, but. Yeah, sure seems that way, but it's a good kind of crazy. For the most part. It's, um, it's been uh, a busy week, busy couple of months, actually. Yeah, you've had a whole uh, junket that you're doing. I'm you know on I mean? a junket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be a nice respite. Away from the junket. From the junket, <laughs> yeah. As we sit here telling stories Till it's quarter after three The details are so gory But that's how they're supposed to be and this waiter must be wondering if we're ever gonna leave. Tell me about your junket. <laughs> hey, this ain't that kind of show. Or is it? What's up, everyone? I'm John Kim Fay, and welcome to another episode of Talking at the Diner, the show where working musicians and creatives tell me their stories and talk to me about whatever the hell they want. My friend Jason Vertibello is my guest today. His band Small Graves recently released a new single called Jason Sadman's Joyless Travel Agency. The story behind that title is contained herein, but there's much more to the conversation. If that song title sounds somewhat 2005, around the time when Fallout Boy were releasing songs with titles like Our Lawyer Made Us Change the Name of This Song So We Wouldn't Get Sued, that also happens to be the time when a wet-behind-the-ears songwriting professor taught his class for the first time at Drexel University. He was, however, old enough to use antiquated terms like wet behind the ears, but that's neither here nor there. Point being, young Jason Vertibello was part of a stellar group of young music industry students who took that class, and I'm lucky to say I've kept in touch with him and many of his contemporaries to this very day. Watching Jay progress as a musician, songwriter, and human has been a real privilege, I worked with him at several spots along his progression, from his time in the bands Crate, Venice Sunlight, and Goodnight Good Luck. And now his journey has brought him to small graves. And the personnel looks much the same as it has for quite a few years, as Jay and his bandmates Eric Zrinsky, Ed Taylor, and Alex Brown continue to make music, but with a new spirit and togetherness. When I caught the band's debut live show recently in Philly, it had the simultaneous energy of a new band while coming off like a well-oiled, if still feisty, rock and roll machine. Jay, Eric, and Ed are now all sharing lead vocal duties, often within the same song, and the four members of the band seem closer than ever. 
I got together with Jay on a Tuesday around 11.30 a.m. at a familiar haunt for both of us, the South Street Diner. If you're from Philly, you know that this formerly 24-hour diner, before the pandemic anyway, was a mainstay. A mainstay for anyone spending time in the vibrant club scene on one of the nation's most famous streets. Nowadays, things are a little different down there. But like all things about our fair city, it never gives up the ghost. That said, longtime listeners of this podcast will note that this is officially the quietest episode of Talking at the Diner ever, because we had the place all to ourselves. All the better to document this great conversation. So let's get to it without further ado. Please enjoy this engaging chat with Jason Vertabello of Small Graves right here on Talking at the Diner. Cash only. I gotta uh, go to the ATM. No, 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 no. Let's just take a walk. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, now that we're now that we're walking, yeah. tell me about your junket. <laughs> That's a weird way to put it. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, let, let, me, let, me, let me talk about your junket. Let me divulge about my junket. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, it's, it's been a weird vibe, because... Uh, because we, we had so much fun. Uh, we were doing Good Night, Good Luck for a while. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun with Sarah. We had a lot of fun with Ange. Um, you know, like trying to get so many, like, strong personalities to kind of, like, vibe together is always, like, a fun experiment. And, uh, yeah, it was just really weird how everything kind of timed out with the pandemic and everything. We were sort of like, well, let's release our EP. And yeah. we had a lot of fun doing that because we produced it with Todd and you were there, right? That was, mm-hmm. that was a blast. Yeah. And then when the pandemic hit, we just decided, you know what, let's level set. Let's reset everything. You know what I mean? So, right. so Eric did his uh, video sort of fun little episodes from the basement. Right? Yeah, those were great. Those were a lot of fun. It was really good. That actually was a, uh, it was a huge part of doing the cover I did for his show, which was the Tears for Fears cover, was uh, a good excuse for me to, uh, one, uh, irresponsibly buy lots of gear. And, uh, and then, and then uh, the, se- the second thing Funny. is that based off the irresponsible gear uh, was to kind of just see how I thought about, I don't know, when you're stuck with just yourself and the music, what's left. You know what I mean? So for me, I was like, it's very isolating, of course. I don't want to spout any more cliches. Like, nobody else hasn't experienced that. You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. but for me, doing stuff for Eric's show really kind of helped me flex my muscles a bit more. I got better at guitar. We still have these songs kicking around a little bit, like some riffs here and there or whatever. But we just kind of, like, started sending ideas back and forth. We couldn't be in the same room, you know? And uh, there's no reason why we need a fifth person. I think that, you know... The three of us are perfectly cromulent vocalists. You know what I mean? In our own way. What, what, what did you just say? Cromulent? Yeah, that's my that's my dime star word of the day. Uh, we're both, we're, you know, like... I have to Eric, look that one up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's just... You know, Ed and I sang in the Warren before, right? A million years ago. So Ed has a little bit of experience doing lead vocals. Um, Eric's done his own stuff before. I was All like, right. I don't, you know, there's no reason why we have to be, like married to one particular band arrangement you know i was like let's just see what happens with the four of us because i got a pretty good feeling and once we rearranged um jason sadman which i don't come up with these names jason sadman's joyless travel agency well i I, let's i didn't come up with that just pause yeah hit me with it second yeah hit me with it 
who did come up with that name? That one, I and think. And why is it such a? Why is it my favorite song title of all time now? <laughs> well, Eric, I believe, came up with that one. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, every time I ask a question to these people, you know, you know my bandmates, like I never get a straight answer. It's always someone's got to bust my balls about something. You know what I mean? So it's like. So it's it's uh, but, Eric's in joke about you about that he will not ex- will I, not explain I, to you. I, I think if I had to surmise what it is, and I'm sure he'll he'll correct me after he listens to this, uh, but uh, but if I had to surmise, it's because like. You know, I had a bad breakup a handful of years ago, right? And then I ended up staying at his place for a few months, you know? Oh, and it was, yeah. it was, it was a, you know, it was, it was a sad oh. time for a bit. Oh, a little puppy in front of us. Uh, but it was, you know, it was certainly, a, a, you know, and is, a is, time of growth and rediscovery and, and things. Is that song, in fact, reflective of that time period? I, I, I think more so, you know what's really funny, man? Did you write the and, lyrics to this song? I, I, so we do the same thing I think we do in Venice, which is... Eric will shotgun blast out a bunch of, like, here's, like, my idea of a song. Mm-hmm. And then we'll kind of mince it down, you know, like, just kind of, like, chop it down a bit. Sure. And then I'll go over the lyrics and be like, oh, hey, this makes more sense syllabically, you know, or, like, maybe we can say this a bit more, you know, less verbose. <laughs> sure, I hear you. But, uh, hello. Yes, please. Okay. Thanks. How about here? <laughs> yes. How are you? Great. Doing well. How about you? Good. Happy, what is it, Tuesday? Oh, you can tell it's a good week already. Uh, I'd love one. Thank you. Uh, tea? Lemon or cream? Uh, lemon, please. Mm. Now, the South Street Diner is yeah. a place where we both have a lot of... Some history here, right? History. Yeah. But, uh... We're the only two people eating in here right now, Jason. I'm, oh, you know, it, it, is, my... it is 11.40 Eastern Time on a Tuesday. Well... <laughs> That no. would be lunch for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it would be. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I think it's it's something that's worth talking about because you live on South Street. Yeah. And it is... Uh, when you're ready, I'll come back, okay? Thank Cheers. you so Appreciate much. Appreciate you. My name is Neil. Thank you. Thank you. How has it changed down here? Well, it's weird because I lived here in college when I was studying under you, right? Yes. Uh, which, is, which was interesting. Or around that time, I should yeah, say. Yeah. So, so I live um, pretty close to here. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I joked about, um, you know, being 1140 on a Tuesday. But, like, you know, there's not really a lot of center city business folks on South Street. You know what I mean? They don't well, that know. is true. I guess yeah. South Street is primarily a nighttime Yeah, I mean, you don't place. normally catch uh, a lot of the, the rank and file sort of Philadelphians yeah. kind of coming through here. And I think that's one of the things that I'd say the same, I would say, yeah. about, okay. you know, having, having lived here in my 20s and now in my later 30s. Mm-hmm. I think it's... Um, and also, just like at two different points in my life, you know, when I was here in college <clears throat> and in my 20s, uh, there, there was an interesting sort of, I don't know, there was an organized chaos here, which I don't know if it was good or bad. You know what I mean? I, I can't yeah. say. That's that's because that's, you know, because that's Philly, right? Like, there's there's a sense of anything could go wrong at any time. You know what I mean? Well, that's but, but, true. But that's the thrill of it. You know, that's, like, that's, okay, but in the past year, oh, stuff has gone has wrong. Has gone wrong for for sure. <laughs> Severely. Now, and again, I think I'm much more grateful uh, that I'm in my 30s to see it now than my 20s because I think I'd be a lot more uh, trepidatious, maybe a little scared. You know, mm-hmm. I think if I was around here, but I know the city well enough right. at this point. So, where, so you feel like this is just sort of like the cycle of living in a big city, and I think so. It's going to happen, but some stuff is certainly unique to it, right? Yeah. And, and again, I don't want to touch on two controversial topics. Cause I just talked about this and the other stuff, but like you and I have a relationship with Dobbs, right? And that was a complicated situation that happened right. there, and yeah. I don't want to dive too deeply into it. But like, obviously, it's incredibly upsetting what happened to those people, and and I wish them nothing but health and healing. But also, like as, as a very very minute part of my brain 
it's all it also feels like a theft of something you know what i mean like not from yeah. them but from but from the people that perpet- you know they kind of the that perpetrated this for allegedly. whom it, the place is just such an important landmark I yeah totally i mean get that. we cut our teeth there you know like yeah. and, and i've done it for years and years and years and what i think was so disappointing about that entire situation aside from the obvious abuse that went on there was just like you know you not only ruined it for these poor women that have to relive this experience you know whether they're taking press charges or whatever but also like the the community of musicians that you just sort of like haphazardly decided to decimate you know and, and not that right. there are places to go i love how katie landed on her feet over at milk boy mm-hmm. right like and, yeah. and i love milk boy and, and they've always been good to every band that's been around here yeah um but it's i think it's it's something where i've needed to be prepared uh, as always for whatever sort of happens the shifting dynamics of the street or the city or or the music landscape everything is a microcosm if i just yeah. kind of zoom out a bit you know mm-hmm. but but yeah south street um now that i live here in my 30s just kind of put a bow on it i, I think that there's a lot like the storefronts have changed right you know and, and sure and, and, <laughs> and, and obviously you know you know there's I wasn't here, you know, obviously in the 70s and 80s or even the 90s, but, like, I, I remember there's a vibrancy here that never really seems to go away. And, and I think that there's... That's why I never really super lose hope whenever stuff goes yeah. down like that because the vibrancy of Philly always tends to win out. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. And there's definitely places and people who run businesses down here that I still, like, wholeheartedly support. And I think they are kind of like the heartbeat of this area and it's not... doesn't have to center around a music venue. Well, of I mean, course not. Um, South Street Art Mart being a mm-hmm. place that um, you know just incredibly passionate small business owners. Oh yeah, awesome people. Yeah, I just met Sam over at Sam Shaw's the other day, confectionery. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. she, she's incredibly sweet. I mean, that's just like what I like about this place, and that's why I really don't want to move. Is because yeah. I mean, I was talking to my wife George about this the other day. Like the hyper local part of this is is just like I know it's it's sort of becoming a thing now, but I think what the pandemic did to us is really kind of embolden that sense of community. Yeah. And, and I know that, uh, I was talking to Dan Drago about this in his podcast, like I said earlier, I just was kind of commenting on, on, on Philly's sort of resilience and, and how, you know, as musicians, yeah, sure. There's been like a bit of a diaspora in terms of like, I don't have enough money, you know, boot and saddle closes, right. Things like that. Um, but like, I, I think that there's certain people find a way, right. And I'm not saying that they're better or worse, you know, but, but I think that, I think if you have the ability to kind of keep things going, that mm-hmm. you just do. And and that's kind of what I'm doing now, musically. It's yeah. just like, I don't... Because people are like, you still doing this? I'm like, I don't know what else to do. You know what I mean? Like, just I just... Keep I just on keeping on. Keep yeah. on keeping on. I'm still, you know, I'm working, you know, but, but I just... Yeah. I realized that I hadn't played guitar at the end of last year and I was wondering why I was just so frustrated and annoyed and it was the end of the year and it was holidays and I just was not in a good way. Yeah. And I realized that, oh man, I hadn't I hadn't played like in the band for a few months because Eric just had his daughter. That's not to be resentful at all, but I was just like, oh, right. I didn't even I didn't even realize how central it was to my emotional well-being to yeah. kind of keep it there. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of just to loop it back to our pandemic discussion, like that's kind of what drove the band, I think, was that all of us were just kind of like, we're going to go crazy if we don't do something, right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. So avoid craziness, play in a band. Play in a band, yeah. which invites more craziness. Right. <laughs> so, it is yeah, a vicious sure. cycle. No, it is. No. Well, that's pretty wild, man. Like, because you and I have a really long history, obviously. Sure. I mean, yeah. you were in the, the, literally the first year that I taught at Drexel. So yeah. that would have been 05? 05? 05-ish, yeah. yeah. I, was, I want to say I lived around the frat house that day. So, yeah, probably a sophomore. Yeah. yeah. And um, 
That's a long time ago, man. Yeah, That's, it is. Uh, it's, almost, it's, almost, it's almost 20 <laughs> years. Going way back. <laughs> Ed, Ed and I were counting the other day, you know, just like from being in Drexel, and he came in around a little later in the fall of 2003, and I started in September 2003, and I was like, hey, man, we're going to 20 years. That's that's yeah. not nothing, you know? And, and it's, it, uh, I think that's great that, you know, you and Ed still play together. I mean, obviously, like, Alex has been part of your musical world for yeah, yeah. a long time. And Eric and Ed played together in, in college bands with Josh Kraft, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, and Todd McCoy, and everybody, everybody mm-hmm. kind of ran in the same circles, like, around 2000, 2004. And yeah. I think that's, what's so awesome is that, like, the vast majority of us in Drexel music industry is, like, just kind of seeing how we all sort of ended up in places. And most of us, I think, that kind of found, because we graduated in 07, this mm-hmm. first class for, you know, for yeah. context, uh, the time that I started in 2004-ish, 2003-ish, when music was kind of, the whole file sharing thing was sort of nascent. Napster only been around for like five years. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's one of those things where I'm having debates with professors about the nature of file sharing. Me and Marcy had lots of thoughts, you know what I mean, about that stuff. <laughs> Were they conflicting thoughts? Uh, generally speaking, but I think that's, that's to, be, to be expected <coughs> yeah. within college students and professors. Right? But, sure. but a lot of robust debate was had there. But again, like, and then by the time we graduated, it almost felt like everything we learned was almost obsolete. Because it's 2007 now, right. and the model had shifted. That's a very interesting point to bring up, because when you think of like how you were educated in that program, like how much of it is even applicable Which is today? not an indictment of that. No, you know what of I mean? course. It, it, you it have is, to deal is, with what you have at the moment. It, it, which, again, like, but it's just the music industry is such a moving target. You know what I mean? Like yeah. We've literally gone down from don't bore us, get to the chorus, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, the song should be... Two and a half to three and a half minutes long. You should get to the chorus by the first thirty seconds. It should be done by the you know like by the end of the sixty second mark, and then you go. We've literally distilled it down to TikTok videos that are about five to fifteen seconds right. in length. Like so, <laughs> talk about Doris. Get to the get, get to the us. Like, get like to the like, us. What? Right. You know. So you it's have, just you it, have two seconds of that. It, it's to, wild to, to me. catch attention. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's something that I wonder as humans that we're we're forcing on ourselves is this. This instant gratification portion. Yeah. I mean, and it's not natural. I mean, after all those studies that say, like, you know, the human brain was not designed to, like, take in, like, this much information. That overstimulus. Yeah. You know? And, and I think we already have enough of it as it is because I think we're also anxious with our thoughts, especially with well. everything going on. And I think we're looking for ways to distract. So we doom scroll, right? Mm-hmm. There's a great metric track on their most recent album that talks all about that for, like, 10 minutes. Uh, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 it's, but it's one of those things where I think, you know, it. it it's almost like we're dehumanizing ourselves to humanize ourselves. Like we're trying to replace um, our own intrusive thoughts. Uh, and I don't mean that as necessarily pejorative, but our own sort of insight about ourselves. And we're getting scared and we're, and we're leaning on media to try and like get us through the next moment, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I wonder sometimes if this sort of approach that we're doing, and when we talk about this in the band sometimes, like, uh, is there room in, and yeah. sure. I think it might be at the end of the sentence. Uh, <laughs> is there room, at, at, you know, in 2023 for a band like us who approaches things, and Venice thought the same thing, too, mm-hmm. maybe 10 years ago, which is, like, is there room for album-oriented rock anymore? You know what I mean? Or right. music in general. Like, do people have the attention span? A band span? that's are, trying are, to do, like, a whole work. Are they going to care about the envelope filter I put on at 135? You know what I mean? Like, things like that. Right. Yeah, but, but more oh. than that, is, is, is the, it, am I captivating you enough to pay attention? I think the answer is record music. You know what I mean? So like, right. well, yeah. it all comes down to what you, what you're presenting people. You <laughs> Absolutely. Know? But I do think, I mean, I've noticed this in several artists over the past couple of years. You know, um, it's we're living in a singles world. Yes. But you know, if you look at uh, so, there's an artist um, that I 
follow pretty closely. She's independent, but she's from Nashville and originally from up here. Sure. Molly Martin. Mm-hmm. And uh, she basically put like four singles out in front of her album that sure. she released. And I think that that's a pretty good way to do it because you give, you know, you kind of give a lot of songs very specific attention and then you put out like a 10 song collection. And that's kind of, I think, and how it, we're going to approach it too. Yeah. You know, like, because, because, and sense. I think that's sort of how, because Ed and I talk about things and, and Eric is a very traditional sort of guy. He's like, we got to press this on vinyl. And I'm like, <clears throat> first off, the supply chain in terms of pressing vinyl is crazy because there's only so many record plants in the country, right? So, like, that's true. The waiting list, the last time we checked after the pandemic, was like a year and a half, two years to get vinyl pressed. If you're going to commit something to wax, it should be fucking great, you know? Mm. And that's why, like, with the Venice stuff, we demoed 20, 25 tracks until we were like, these are the 12, 10 to 12 that we're going to do, yeah. you know? Yeah, I just, uh, so, so for me, you know, I'll spill the beans on the release strategy for us the way that I'm imagining it anyway. I mean, yeah. the interesting thing that we wanted to do was. Um, we actually had so we produced our record at the Headroom with Kyle Pulley also you know also uh, all the names all the names from the first year of Drexel Music Industry so how's Kyle doing? Kyle's awesome man you know like they just moved their spot out to uh, uh, where Ed's mom lives out in the suburbs so we were actually uh, able to kind of we were in the middle of recording and then they had to move everything because the lease uh, went up and they sold the building over in uh, Kensington so so they had to move and the new space is Gorgeous, where, absolutely. Which gorgeous. is where? Uh, it's like in. Well, it's it's off the Clifton Alden stop. So I don't know if anybody knows where Alden, PA is. Alden, PA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, so that's that's out where uh, Ed's family lives. Nice. So <clears throat> I'm going to dox him right now. It's great. But uh, no, so so we uh, we went there, kind of finished everything out in terms of like listening to stuff. But Kyle is phenomenal, man. I, he his ear is unbelievable. I know he had like a record or two he produced, getting like a built you know Rolling Stones top of the year, and you oh, know wow. yeah, you, you don't do it for the plaudits, obviously. You know, you just try to make good stuff. But Kyle has a fantastic fantastic year mm-hmm. and, and i mean so did he just mix it or did he did everything he oh, he, he, he tracked he, it there yeah he tracked it um at the original at the original space mm-hmm. um, um with a couple of his assistants and they got bang up assistants there too they're unbelievable um and uh but yeah no, i mean kyle was whenever we like to do a record we did this with joe on, on our previous one joe reinhardt and mm-hmm. we did we did it with kyle on this one we always like them to be like another member of the band to be like yeah get your fingerprints in it you know like mm-hmm. just you know if there's something that isn't jiving with you you're wondering why we approached it that way let's do that you know we he had us write you know we, we asked, we're like the ending of one of these songs isn't working so we just kind of came up with something that really worked well mm-hmm. in the studio and now having to learn that live is fun right but um well how did that process work did you just stand around and be like well what can it be now you know, you know, what's, you know, you know what's funny we sort of had um an idea for an ending but we weren't quite sure how to make it work vocally so mm-hmm. so uh eric was kind of fiddling with uh some lyrics kind of scribbling on a notepad when we were back in the control room we're kind of like listening to it and thinking through it and i tell you man sometimes it just hits you because i don't know what it is but i find that i struggle with writing on my own and, mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that to be modest i just i find it better when i find Somebody comes up with a riff that I never would have thought of in a million years, or a one bar, like a one bar four beat phrase. You give me that four mm-hmm. beats, I'm, I'm going. You know what I mean? Like that's just. And so that's kind of what sparks you. Yeah and, yeah, and and I just write better collaborative. I just love the discussion, the debate, the community, the sense of like, we'll never communication is never 100. percent you know, like on the same level, right? But we're going to get as close as we possibly can, and then if we're all happy with it, then it's cool. I used mm-hmm. to joke that like. If we're all equally miserable, then you know we've done our job, right? But but it's but it's uh, it's something where I came back in the Very room. Very egalitarian uh, misery. Exactly. Guy. It's it's yeah. you know spread it out. You know. Nice. Uh, but uh, what happened was that we, we I went back in the room and I saw he had this like passage uh, of things and and what I 
was hearing in my mind was just kind of like there's a way that we can phrase these words that you're writing and there wasn't really I didn't have to cut any words out or anything just the way that he had phrased it and he couldn't quite get it mm-hmm. but I was like oh wait no just keep keep giving me that beat and I'll just keep laying it over and I think probably 25 seconds later we had our we had oh, our wow. ending which now that we're playing it I was like I really wish I had played it and sang it at the same time because this is going to be a lot of fun for me to try and replicate live but it's it's one of those things where I always I'm trying to make things difficult yeah. for me. Well, just, so what about it is is would the, be a difficulty. The, 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 the guitar rhythm and the vocal rhythm oh, are just like it's very, a bit of a counterpoint. Got so it. so I have to mentally keep myself in that rhythm while also vocally expressing the melody rhythmically sound, but mm-hmm. also evoking the emotional tenor of it. Right? It's just not really pretentious, but I just, I, I just want to make sure that I don't fail. Oh, you got to do it. And you're, it's multitasking. It is. It, it, <laughs> it, and, and again, it's really hard because I have a naturally anxious brain. So for me, it's I, I try to make sure that I'm focusing on all things at the same time. Plus, I have a lot of pedals <laughs> nowadays, so uh, which has been fun for me to there fun, you go. Fun for me to uh, to uh, to do. If you, if you can't play riffs incredibly well, just get a bunch of pedals. That's my that's my uh, sneaky sort of tip for any. Well, I mean, you know, in watching like the, the different iterations of the band, I mean, bands of the whatever, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've you've kind of had a lot of common members under different under different um, names groups, and groups. You know? and I mean, Alex has been in every band I've been in since '06 for the most part. Since so. <laughs> yeah. we're six, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's the thing. I mean, there's got to be like a through line in your mind, yeah, that. You know, I would imagine that's very satisfying. It know? is, because uh, here's the thing: um, I've always believed in in the mushy mushy, like music is the great unifier thing, mm-hmm. and. And for me, like, I just, I always found myself, even when I was single, like, you know, dating people, I would always talk about this stuff. It just, it just was always top of mind for me because music's how I make sense of emotion a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that if I can't quite communicate something the way that I want it to, which I'm getting better at doing that verbally, thank you, therapy, but, but <laughs> if I can't do it that way, um, I'd like to try and evoke like a, a sense of something, you know, mm-hmm. just an emotion of something. Which is every any any person that's ever been an artist in anything has always wanted to do that. But what I found so great about that is that I found a sort of a communal experience with some of my closest friends doing that, which which is hard to find, you know, like and. And these three dudes are like some of my closest friends in the world. You know what I mean? Like I just went to Alex's Passover dinner, you know, mm-hmm. like last week. You know, yeah. again, Eric put me up for three months. I stayed at Ed's house, you know, while we were in between places. Like right. these, these are these are dudes that like we kind of went through the fire together in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, trying to grow up and figure out what it means, yeah. you know, to, to to exist in this world today. And I think that's a lot of you know, for as much as. Eric and I tend to spearhead a lot of the lyrical sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. we kind of joke with the other guys, like, you guys don't know what these songs about, you know? But, but, but again, like, really what I'd like to make sure is that, like, even if it's not apparent, that everybody understands what we're communicating, even on a very base kind of lizard brain level, yeah. just like, yeah, that vibe is right, you know? Yeah. So I've been very, very blessed and fortunate to have such long-standing friendships with these people that constantly get where my weird brain is going, and I hope vice versa, right? So yeah, sure. I think that's, you know, if you can find your tribe, you know, I think that's one of the best things you can do i've had the privilege to kind of like watch your whole college and beyond musical trip and it's great to a be able to not only watch it but at times be part of it yeah man you have an outsized impact just so Um, you know (laughs) just so you're aware thank you (laughs) yes but you know i mean just to still have that passion for music i mean i met you when you were in your early 20s yep you are now in your late 30s. Yeah. 
you are a married man. Yeah. You are still making music with passion. Yeah. Um, you're still doing it with people that you really care about. I mean, yeah. that, that really is, it's, it's powerful for me to like witness that. Yeah. It's, it's reaffirming in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I got to tell you, man, I try to pay that forward wherever I can. You know, mm-hmm. like, it, it's something that you always inspired me in that way because you showed me that it was possible to be a good person in the music business and do reasonably well, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I was like, you know, you don't have to be a dick to the promoter. You don't have to, like, demand a thousand M&Ms in a, in a thing, which I understand is for safety, you know? But, but like, you don't have to be a diva <laughs> in order... In order... <laughs> is that for safety? Yeah, yeah I'll tell you why. Uh, please. You, you, know, you know what's interesting? I learned this. You know who taught me this is Marcy, I think is who mm. it was. So I learned this in one of my music business classes, and I was watching Wayne's World 2 with George the other day, because she had never seen it, right? Okay. So they're making that joke about how Ozzy wouldn't go on stage without a thousand M&Ms, brown M&Ms, in a, in a, in a jar, right? right? The reason they did this is because... You remember Van Halen's shows in the eighties, of course, right? That's where the brown M and M's thing comes from. Exactly. So you had to have uh, you had Eddie in the air doing stuff, and Alex in the air doing stuff, and there's all these suspensions and wires. And if hey, here's the thing: if you had read the contract and you put in that thousand, and you had seen that there was a thousand brown M and M's in there, and you signed it, and they came in there and saw there was a thousand brown M and M's, guess what? It shows you read the contract, Uh right? So so that's that you read all the fine print, you didn't miss anything because there were real safety concerns. You know what I mean? So which which I thought was kind of funny because we joke about thousand brown M and M's, but if you just like critically ask the question, like, but why would they ask that? It's not just because Van Halen are a bunch of dudes in tight pants and they're trying to make it work. You know, it's it's because there's like a national safety concern, which is not nearly as rock and roll, right? Right. But 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 it's it's just kind of funny. It's their way of confirming. Yeah. No. Absolutely. was everything was good to go but, but again like you don't need to be like a jerk in order to make it in this industry and if anything what i think is so funny is that like talking about like pre-existing relationships and how long-standing they are like a lot of these same folks that i graduated with are still kicking around doing music stuff and we're still having fun you know mm-hmm. todd just remixed one of our songs you right. know i mean like yeah. so you know it's just it's been it's been a blast and i think part of the reason why we decided to um, have Kyle export all the stems. We're like, just give us all the stems, which basically just means give me the guitar track, yeah. the drums, everything, individual mm-hmm. tracks. So we wanted our friends and, and some collaborators or whomever was interested. We were like, just give us your spin on the songs that we recorded. You know, like so we sent over the EP. We're like, here's some context if you want to listen for it, right? If not, go in blind. Who cares? You know? Yeah. And, and um, some of the stuff that we're getting back is really weird and fun. Really? Um, well, Jason Sadman was uh, <clears throat> was. Remixed by um, Eric's cousin Jim, who uh, who has a solo act called Teal, mm-hmm. uh, with three E's, I believe. And uh, he, uh, <laughs> I love yeah, it. isn't that great? With three E's, three E, I, I believe, and it's oh, all yeah. caps. It's great, and, and he makes this awesome '80s sort of outrun kind of like heavy, washy, Stranger Thingsy type synth stuff. Yeah, and I just love it. I think it's a fantastic remix. I really hope that, um, I really hope that people Thank oh, you. look beautiful. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> very exciting. Cheers. I Thanks appreciate you. very it. much. Yep. Enjoy. Yep. Well, that's something I'm kind of curious about is, like, you obviously keep in touch with a fair number of your classmates. Yeah, it's important to me, Drexel. I think. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've spoken with, you know, former uh, music industry people that are, you know, uh, several years down the line from sure. you. Yeah. Who kind of don't <laughs> do that. Do you think there was anything, you know, particularly special about the group that you went to school with that inspires you to keep in touch and and how many I mean of the people that you keep in touch with, I assume like a lot of them are still like doing stuff that's music adjacent. Uh, music Correct. adjacent. I mean, yeah. well, are 
I mean, how many of them are actually working in the music industry, which was the intention yeah, of taking the, program. the yeah. major? Like, yeah, I, I mean, you know, <clears throat> um, I think, let's see, how do I phrase this? Uh, because the question is so wonderfully loaded, uh, in, in a very well, that's good how way. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I do think there was something special about our class, right? It was my mm-hmm. class, uh, but but yeah. but I do think that um, we were kind of unique again, just in the timing of how everything came yeah. out. And I know that the program was sort of in its infancy. I think it was in its first couple of years. I want to say five mm-hmm. to ten years. So so I think there was still a lot that that was being tried out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I and I again, I don't begrudge anybody for that. I think you're just doing the best. In, you know, the best. You're doing the best work with the knowledge that you have in front of you, right? Yeah. And, and I choose to believe, and maybe this is why I continue to have these relationships, I choose to believe everybody has the best of intentions, right? Like, mm-hmm. And that's why I try not to burn any bridges. And that's why you always hear me qualifying things, because like, I don't want to assume anybody's place. But I do think that um, a good portion of some of my friends don't actually work in the music industry anymore, but they do work in some sort of... Um, entertainment or hospitality or some sort of mm-hmm. communications partnership sort of thing. Because what I found, um, you know, it's really interesting actually, I just thought of this now, is I used to work at um, Wharton Computing, right? So I used yeah. to work for, for uh, the Wharton School over at UPenn, and I found there were a lot of people that worked in music over there. Like, mm-hmm. I would see colleagues of mine at shows, or like, they would be playing stuff or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting because, again, music being a communicator, um, I think you have to have some semblance of communication in order to succeed professionally at it. And I'm not saying yeah. that like you need to be able to give a, you know, a diatribe on stage as to why what you're doing is important or whatever. But mm-hmm. I do think that you have to be able to connect with people on a certain level. And I think that's why, you know, my job now, you know, working tech adjacent or whatever while still having time to do music. Yeah. Um to your point, I try to find a common through line. And I think a lot of my, my colleagues, so to speak, in the industry, a lot of my old friends and fellow graduates are, are kind of doing the same thing. I know that we you know, we did do a reunion a couple years ago. I think we're going to do another one, right? Mm-hmm. I missed the last one. Yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, you know, there's so many, uh, not so many, I guess, but, I mean, relative to our class, there's so many people from Philly that are still doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. Josh Kraft is killing it with Rock to the Future. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, Katie's killing it. You know, Todd's still here uh, doing production for Cambridge. You know, uh, I know it's, it's just been, I know Alex Baranowski has been making his own, kind oh, yeah. Of, yeah, he's been he, making his own instruments, cables, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, it's been... It's been validating in a weird way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, sure, I, I spent a lot of money on a degree that I don't really use from a nine-to-five perspective. Right. But I, if I choose to look at it from a certain lens, I, and I, I think a lot of my colleagues would agree with me, so to speak, uh, is that, like, I think if you choose to look at it through a certain lens, it was never really a waste, so to speak. Like, you know, you're, oh, not, yeah. dropping, you're not dropping a check to get music, and I don't have a job at Atlantic Records. Screw this, right? Right. I, it's more just, like, looking at it now in the rear view, I think a common theme with uh, with a lot of my college friends was just like we're just whatever this is we're in it together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and our hope is that it's music related. And if we can't connect over the industry, like working in the industry, we can at least collect connect over our shared sort of love and affection for certain feelings that arise out of listening to certain records, certain songs, certain lyrics. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I, had, I remember yeah. we, we did, a, in your class, actually, we did that lyric breakdown, and I remember we did Shipbuilding uh, by Elvis, Elvis Costello. Costello. Yep, wow. I remember that. Wow. And that was one of the first times that I sat there and broke down stuff, because I remember you being like, there's a reason why he's writing this a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, and, there's a, and there's a vulnerability and, and an emotional connection he's trying to make. And I remember that's when it sort of light switched for me in, in certain respects. And I think that a lot of us kind of 
again, I don't want to speak for everybody. I can right. say that over and over again. But but I think that I think that a lot of us kind of felt that same sort of attachment to something, right? You just grab onto something and you're like, I like that sensation. I don't want to let it go. And that's, I think, what kind of keeps us together as friends. It's just like that connection and that ability to kind of evoke the connection and to, to still kind of be friends and have drinks and go play things and sing karaoke or do yeah. whatever. Like, however you choose to express it, I think is the important part. I think that's you know? beautiful. And, <laughs> and no, I mean, the, the connection that you guys share is really important. Yeah. Because you went through a, a, a common experience together. Yep. And, you know, a lot of, you know, it's, it's like a time and place thing. We came out of the Great Recession. Yeah. I mean, like, what do you want? You know what I mean? Right. So, 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 and again, like, it's not, like, not to be fatalist, but it's just, like, I just, I have gratitude for it, right? Like, I, I have the, yeah. I have the privilege and the ability to go out and, and do something that some people would call frivolous, right? Go out and get a music degree, you know? My dad was very supportive, and now he's like, I don't care what you do, just get a degree. You know what I mean? So, which, again, a very 2004 way to I look mean, at it. For a lot of people. For a lot of people. You know? Just get the piece of paper. Just get the piece of paper. I don't, I don't know that that has changed all that much. Well, I think, honestly. you know, it's, it's interesting now. I, I think the boomer generation, so to speak, uh, <laughs> put a much higher value on it because, and I don't want to get into the whole societal problems thing, but I think that there is a value put on having a degree that I think is still there, very much so. Mm-hmm. But well, uh, but I there's more of a hustle culture nowadays. Right. It was more necessary to have that in order to... Yep get into the realm of I making a get, better living than somebody who didn't have I'll it. tell you, man, I couldn't get a $10 an hour um, check-in job at a Mac retail store without having a four-year degree in something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you kidding me? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so like, but, but hey, if I didn't have that degree from Drexel, I wouldn't have started working there for 10 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten poached by somebody from there and ended up working in, you know, like corporate IT. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten poached from somebody from there and right. found another place. I wouldn't have gone to Warden. I wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't be here if I didn't, if I didn't yeah. have that experience. It's all that string of experiences. Yeah, exactly. And I try yeah. to look at things in totality, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's especially how we're trying to do this stuff with the band nowadays, too. It's just like... We're gonna do our release strategy is gonna be singles, right? Well, the single remix, single remix kind of thing, and and then as we're gonna take a month, I think in the next month or so, and write some more stuff, so we have a nice sort of backlog because we do have a bunch of shit that we haven't like finished up yet, just because we've been so hyped on getting the stuff out the door. Um, but like, I'm gonna work on a remix with Eric, you know? So we're gonna do one of our own songs and remix it. Um, we're just gonna kind of keep doing single, 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 and then my hope is that one day we have enough tracks where we'll just be like, yeah, no, this this would be enough. Maybe one side is just like. The the uh, the regular versions, and the other side is just the dance versions, yeah. right? The remixes, you know. So so I think there's. I'm just trying to find ways to try and, and I don't know. I, I, it's like looking at a diamond and trying to examine all the facets, right? Like, what have I missed? You know, mm-hmm. like so. It's just it's uh, a. Yeah. Well, I, I think also, it's you know you're still very creatively curious, yep. which I think is great. I mean, to to be able to maintain that, you know. Well, I appreciate that. I think it's yeah. it's um. I don't know. I don't know if it's relevance or what. And that's kind of like the joke that we make is trying to stay relevant. You know, when you're mid-30s, late, late, late 30s or whatever. And I don't want to harp too much on the past, obviously. Uh, but, but, but I think that there's something to be said for mining the past for stuff that will inform your decisions now, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or how you move things in the future. And maybe that's an obvious statement. But I think it's something where... One of, also, one of my main concerns is that I'm sounding trite. Everybody's already said everything well, that's ever been done before. Not at but, all. I mean... Can I ask you what your definition of 
relevance is? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's. Um, that's a great question, actually. Like, um, not that I'm surprised. Like but, to, to who? <laughs> well, and that's what I'm, maybe that's the question, though, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. it, who are you for? Is, is sort of a question. But I think what's, what I think is really interesting is that I sent out. The copy of, of Jason's admins, uh, Join the Travel Agency, out now on all major platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I sent a copy over to uh, some friends of mine from high school, actually. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, I don't know what you hit, but you hit something. Like, it made me feel how I felt then. Mm-hmm. But, like, but what I got from her comment was that it was almost safer, in a way, because what I wanted to do was evoke... Uh, and I think Eric was at the same mind, which is why I think we were so jazzed on the stuff is we kind of wanted to take it back to like 03, 04 when there was a lot of that really interesting killer-y sort of scene music, the OC, whatever mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And like rock music was getting a little bit weird and synthy and like mm-hmm. dancey and whatever. And, and, um, and the scene itself, you know, was obviously very white male-led, you know, girl done me wrong kind of, right. you know. And, and again, like, and, and I look at my own contributions to that and I'm like, all right, well, how can I... How can I mine the feelings of what I was feeling from there and kind of just subtract out all of the finger pointing at other people, right? Like, and I think maybe that's a natural part of getting older is, is us being like, hey, let's take it back to the 04, but maybe without the sexism and the misogyny, right? Well, like, let's take it back to, like, what your role in those, you know what part you play in, <laughs> in feeling like that. And that's what I mean. You know, you, you got to own it, right? Like, yeah. and, and we all have to operate off the same set of facts. And, and part of that is acknowledging your own, your own complicit sort of nature of it or, right. or whatever. Yeah. And, and again, being like, you know, I could be better and I want to be better. And here's how I'm going to try and be better. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, especially for me, bringing it back to your point about that sense of community, I'm always trying to pass the ladder down. And that's something that you always did for us. You know what I mean? And I think it's, Desperately important as somebody that especially is is has historically you know fronted bands as a as a straight white cisgender male right mm-hmm. and and has had the ability to kind of go where I please and do what I want without sort of any blowback. Right. Um, I think it's incumbent upon me and the rest of the members of the band to hold that door open for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's the difference now versus ten to fifteen years ago is that you had these blinders on. You all thought they were all fighting the same fight together, but once you zoom out, and I think the pandemic taught us this, especially mm-hmm. once you zoom out, you look at it. And it's like the fight's not the same for everybody. You know what I mean? Right. Which which I think is part of the reason why I'm continuing to champion all these bands and friends and whoever, especially marginalized communities and mm-hmm. underserved communities. I'm doing my best. Um, I don't think it'll ever be enough, but I think it's something where we're trying to lead by example where we can, just because we've done all the wrong things. We're trying to do the right things this time around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, and that's not to say that we're just like bad people, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, but, but it is something we've where again, horrible like human horrible beings, beings up to this point, but, but the, I think the key phrase in there is human beings, right? So mm-hmm. there's the whole gamut of emotion that you have to run through. And I think as long as you're honest with yourself as an artist and you're approaching things with sincerity, then you're relevant. Right. So I, I think, yeah. as, which I think is a big part of today's society, especially in the seventies, eighties, nineties, you had the sort of mystique, right? There was the, the band on stage and then there was the audience. Right? right. And I think that there's been a breakdown of that barrier. I think I might've mentioned this in an interview years ago too, but, but, but I think especially with Gen Z, uh, we all value sincerity nowadays. You know, we, we all mm-hmm. like the, the whole Instagram influencer thing seems to be having like a backlash of, of like, no, we want ultra authentic, sincere stuff. And, and I think, you know, there's something to be said for being an artist and keeping a distance from the creative process to be like, some of this is really personal to me and I don't know if it's going to be able to be understood by everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's another part of it that's like, but I wanted to create a universal through line that we can all kind of understand. And my hope is that you understand it. And if you don't, that's fine too. My, 
the biggest thing you can tell me that would insult me, anybody uh, you know that ever wants to insult me, can say that the music didn't make her feel anything at all. You know, like they're mm-hmm. just ambivalent, and which is something I kind of stole from Daft Punk, which is like the worst thing you can tell us is that her music is boring. Love yeah. it or hate it, give me some sort of a reaction. You know what I mean? Right. But but yeah, I think that's relevance is is having some sort of a reaction. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking around. This has been um, this is this is the scene of many a post. 1 a.m. 2 a.m. Oh, well, Wednesday open mic night. I know. I don't even know that I've ever been here in the daylight. Maybe I have. That's many. That's many South Street establishments. Most of them open until 11. You know what I mean? So it's like. But, yeah, it's um. I don't know. I, I, I. What I think is really interesting is that you and I are talking about this stuff, kind of at a really interesting inflection point in our lives. Like you're coming out with your book. You know what I mean? And. I remember I was there with you when you were kind of like germinating some ideas for it. Mm-hmm. I know you had some stories. You and I talked about some some relationship stuff that you were going through and that I was yeah. going through and everything mm-hmm. together. And, and I'm fascinated. And I can't wait to read the book. I don't have it yet. I'm definitely going to get it. But I haven't had a chance right to. On. I don't know. But I just, like, again, like, you, it, it, <laughs> what, I, what I take from it is that, like, there are so many interesting stories. And what I love about you is that you just always get a lesson from it. You know what I mean? Whether you're being wry about it or not, which I mm-hmm. love about you, is that you have this clever sense of humor. But, but... It's always a wink and a nod, but you always learn something. And I think that's really inspiring. Hopefully. (laughs) Well, hopefully, right? And again, you're navel-gazing the same way that I do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, which is, like, gosh, man, I'm just trying to help. You know, I'm just trying to do stuff what I think is right, you know, but... But you know, maybe maybe shitting yourself before an any money concert is is, 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 is. Am I doing this right? You're mixing stories, but that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's about right. Well, I, 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 would, yeah. I would have been I would have been thrilled to shit myself before the end. Of the <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I got to read the book. Don't listen to me. I'm not right. accurate, you know. But <laughs> I would have gladly shit myself before an any money show. Actually, that should be another song title. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It would, I it would be to, a great small grave song title. I, I, I meant to answer your run question. That, run that by Eric. Yeah, so, so the funny thing is that I did name some of the songs, uh, but but I think what we wanted to do again is, is take back those song titles to like 2004 when it's just like, who gives a shit what the song's called? Is the song good? You know what I mean? So for us, it's just kind of like all these in-jokes that we make with each other. We have right. a song called Wawa Pork Chops because Wawa doesn't make pork chops, near as we can tell. You know what I mean? So like, so it's like... Maybe they will. Maybe they will now. Yeah. You know, we, we kind, of, kind of put that out there. Um, but... Um, <laughs> You know, Wawa just, makes everything else, and not very well, I well, have to say. Well, yeah, it's all very middle of the road nowadays. I don't know, something went, something went wrong around uh, Hoagie Fest maybe ten years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> Love you, Wawa. Please sponsor my band. You know, it's fine. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's a... Uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 what I think is so funny about Philly, too, is that I've been here for longer than I lived in upstate New York, where I'm from. Right. So I've, I've been a citizen of this city longer than I've been a citizen of upstate. And I was kind of explaining this to my wife the other day because, you know, people ask me to explain Philly. And I'm like, well, I can only explain it so far because Philadelphians especially have a very hometown sense of pride, right? And sure. for me being a transplant, I can be as proud of it as I want. I have an Eagles tattoo, you know what I mean? Like whatever. But I'm not truly, I'm not born and raised here. But I think I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I think I get Philly, and, and I think all of us kind of get Philly in the band in that, like, it's not always rah-rah. It, it's also what have you done for me lately, you know, in the city? <laughs> right, right, you know? Right. Which is especially true for our sports teams, right? Yeah. So, so what, what I think is interesting is that a lot of how I anticipate what we do with Small Graves going is more just like, I don't know, I feel like we're just kind of continuing a conversation with the people of Philly, like, and just the people in the surrounding areas, and just being like, this is how we're approaching stuff nowadays, mm-hmm. like, and we'll just, we'll navigate through the process together. So you know, do you see the band as, as being specifically Philadelphian? I think, I, I think the soul of it is, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that we see a lot of stuff, um, 
Coerced into buying a Cardi B t-shirt, uh, which is the last track on the EP. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, which is a true story. You want more coffee? Well, I'm good. Thank you, you very much. Tea? Yeah, Beautiful. Good. Thank you. Um, what, what, I, what I was interesting about that song is, again, so, so the title is, is a true story where I was walking home and was coerced into buying a Cardi <laughs> B t-shirt from a teenager on the street. Uh, and but but a the counterfeit Cardi B T-shirt. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't expect her to be a brand ambassador, right? But but, but, but perhaps that could be the case. Yeah. But but um, but like that song is about you know Eric had observed um you know some drug abuse in his neighborhood in Port Richmond. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like so we touched on some adult shit in in this yeah. and, and Philadelphian adult shit too. And obviously it's not unique to just the city. There's drug use and abuse you know all over the nation. Obviously it's an epidemic, right? But. Yeah. But I think what we're trying to do is, is I don't want to say hold the mirror, just shoot me if I say that, but what, 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 I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is just try and, and show people that, like, our existence is all communal, you know, and maybe that's a bit heavy-handed, but mm-hmm. all that we can do is continue to try and make universal, through the lens of our own experience, you know, uh, universal experiences and messaging and what have you not, and just trying to be insightful but also you know leave space for people to feel things and discuss things and and yeah. kind of um, interpret them in their own ways pardon me but yeah. i got you. so yeah it's a it's it's a heavy-handed task but so we're doing our best you're, you're writing songs about stuff that you experience and see and observe yep. as members of this particular community right what you know yeah one question i have is that i that i wrestle with sometimes and that's even like in terms of my own stuff. Is like, does the world need to hear another, you know, white dude singing about how things are what da da da? And I think part of the answer, part of the answer there, I think, is don't overthink it, right? Like, which I tend to do. So I would say so. Right. Go with your gut. You know what I mean? Like, and, and if this is what you're feeling, express it, right? And as long as it's not at the expense of somebody else, I think it's probably fine. You know what I mean? Like, these are just... Well, I, look. This is the stuff I think at, like, 2, 3, 3 o'clock in the morning when I can't sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I don't think you can express something that's at the expense of somebody else by merely expressing it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. You it's, have to... You, there has to be a power there. I guess I'm in the unique position because of my age and my network to mm-hmm. be observant of different you know, facets and viewpoints about sure. how society works or should work you, in, well, and, in and here's the opinions. Thing. Yeah, your experience is unique just <clears throat> from your book even, like talking about your experience in the 80s, 90s, 2000s right. up to now, right? Right, and being who I am. Being who you are, yep. And that kind of thing. And I get a little, I don't, I'm trying to pick the right word. <laughs> I get a little concerned when, you know, people who have been, you know, they fall under the umbrella of, okay, well, you're privileged. Yeah, sure. Because you're white. Yep. And you're male. Yep. You're straight, what have you. Um, I don't think that uh, too much of a sense of guilt does anybody <laughs> I, any good. Yeah, and, and, here's, and here's the thing. Um, when I was younger, I would get paralyzed by my guilt mm-hmm. from a personal stance and everything else. It, it, and now... Instead of that, what I think is more valuable is making space to listen. You know what I mean? And, and, and also making enough space for you to say, I'm not going to second guess what I'm feeling or what I'm expressing. Which mm-hmm. I think, if you're doing that musically, people will call you on it. 
You know what I mean? Like, because oh, it's they, obvious that you're doing it. Because it just seems like you're the Pat Boone version of a Little Richard song. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's good just, way to put it. Yeah, there, there's 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 no soul. Like, the, the performance mm-hmm. is there, but you're not feeling it. And and I think that we need to allow ourselves the intellectual and emotional honesty to feel these things. And, and again, to, sure. to to acknowledge a power dynamic, right? But to also not overthink it and to not navel gaze too much. Where you're right. now undercutting the message with your own, but wait, I don't know. Wait, am I just you know, like, am I just stepping on anybody's toes? So I, I think there's a way to, to, and I think we're doing this. I hope to try and be communal and be inclusive and lead the charge, but also make space for other leaders. You know, which I think is something that was not as prevalent maybe 20 years ago. Was that there's a little bit more jockeying for <clears throat> for a space at the table. There's definitely still a communal sense in Philly for sure, but but I know that like the industry itself was a little bit more cutthroat because. Again, you talk about the Napster industry and mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, there was a right-sizing of the industry because of everything. I hate that word. It just means layoffs. But, like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, and again, this is a lot of stuff that a lot of my classmates experienced was a lot of downsizing and, and you know, having to move industry because there just wasn't enough seats at the table. And so, for me, mm-hmm. my thing is, like, look, if I'm establishing something and, and the guys and I are establishing something and we're trying to create an experience, we want to bring everybody in. I mean, because you never know what you're going to experience, and maybe that makes you do something or feel something or take something away yeah. that we didn't even anticipate. And so, I don't know. I don't want to miss that opportunity by by staring at my shoes, overthinking it in second, third, fourth, fifth, guessing it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that that's a good attitude to take. You know? <laughs> oh, good. I have John's blessing. Thank well, God. look, you, look. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, and I'm coming at this from the viewpoint of somebody who. Uh, the majority of my favorite artists my whole life have been women. Oh, I, I was just talking about this the other day, how I've, just, I've been listening to a ton of women for the past, like, two years, I'd say. Well... Let me get some of the most exciting music nowadays. I, I mean... I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. You know? But that doesn't mean that um, that's your cue as an artist who happens to be who you are, not <laughs> well, by choice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to shut your mouth. Oh, of course. My, you know, and we all deserve the right to express ourselves. Oh, for sure. And I think you know. I want to make sure, um, I think in a lot of ways, um, I know that I both physically, like my voice projects physically loud, yes. right? And that's just, I can't help that. It's <laughs> always been you. That's who I am, mm-hmm. you know? I try my best to try and keep my head down a little bit, but there are certain things that I think need that sort of focus and attention that I need to shine a spotlight on it. I I am a lot more mindful as to how I use that voice nowadays because I know that sometimes it can drown out other voices in the room. And so for me, it's making sure that I'm able to say my piece and then make the space. And then, again, to your point, what does that expression look like? Sometimes it butts up against people. And as long as I think there's a shared understanding of what I said before, which is we're all coming at this with the best knowledge that we have, with the best of intentions, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is something that we have a lot of trouble with in society nowadays, is giving people that grace to assume that they have the best of intentions, right? Agreed. Right. I think we did that more. We have a lot more discourse in this country, but but I don't want to get on that. <laughs> but, oh, you got, listen, you can get on any topic no, you want to get but, on. But, but, but yeah, but it's just it's, it's it's just one of those things where again we, we tie so much to identity nowadays, you mm-hmm. know. And, and my identity is musician, straight white male, this that, the other things, gender, whatever. And because I, I just again, I think that there's a sense of solitude that we have, and the sense of just loneliness. And mm-hmm. we're trying to identify. We're trying to have this steady diet of media, and we're having these things define us without like. The ability for us to just sit down and sit with it, you know, and to understand that. And we joke about this in the band. Small graves are just four dudes in their late 30s just trying their best. 
You know what I mean? Like we're just trying our best. And you that's know? okay. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's it's one of those things where I am sometimes a little bit too obsessive with doing the wrong thing, like getting concerned about that. I try not to do paralysis by analysis, but yeah. but, but but I think that we're a lot more thoughtful in this band uh, about how we're approaching some of the material, some of the release strategies, some of like how we're spending money. You know, because mm-hmm. again, like we're kind of nerdy and in our thirties, so now we have spreadsheets. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the, the one takeaway from being in a band is that you need spreadsheets. And you've been working for a living <laughs> long enough to Ages. know that money don't grow on trees. No, no, of course not. Be, uh, and, and here's the know. thing: the vast majority of us project managers, right? Mm-hmm. So we're managing projects. Hey, yeah. how, how are we going to do a release? Let's figure how are out. We're going to manage this you know, project. How are we going to yeah. manage? Hey, hey, do you have do you have childcare this week? You know, how do we how do we shift our priorities? Right, we have a release coming up. You know? <laughs> right. So so stuff like that is like. These are real world things that we're addressing, you know, mm-hmm. which again, like, cry me a river, but it's one of those things where we all need to navigate our own challenges and and, yeah. and be able to be okay with it, you know, and, and to understand that there's always room to make space for other people. But, you know, it doesn't minimize your voice at all, which I think is something that I'm sort of coming to terms with, uh, is like, <clears throat> I don't give a shit about, like, playing sold-out stadiums anymore. The, the, the goalposts kind of moved for me. Like, I, I'm perfectly satisfied Mm -hmm. Um, going out and playing a few small shows and packing the joint as much as I can with 25, 50, 75, 500, I'm just kidding, people uh, of uh, just, just again, as long as we're sharing an experience, I'll play the same show in front of five people that I will 5,000. You know what I mean? And that, my friends, is the spirit of music making at work. Play with the same energy and attitude whether you're playing for five people or 5,000 people. I love that. I just love it. I want to thank Jason Vertabello for that great conversation. Check out Small Graves online at their website, smallgraves.info, where you can find their music, their backstory, their cool music video, and much more. And a quick note about the yin and the yang of it all. I want to thank everyone who was at the official release event on April 25th. If you were there in body or in spirit, I appreciate you. I appreciate you beyond words. It was a magical night and an amazing way to cap off the first month of this book's release. But remember, kids, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So there's much more in store. Uh, Most exciting right now is the fact that if you're hearing this on or after May 1st, 2023, the audiobook for the yin and the yang of it all is out. Finally! I know some of you have been waiting for the audio version because if you're like me... Most of the free time you have for a book is while you're driving in your car. So, now you can get it. Check it out on Audible, and um, let me know what you think. Uh, Last but not least, please, if you've read or listened to this book and you enjoy it, I'd love it if you would consider writing a review on Amazon. That kind of thing really helps the book with the, the dreaded and mysterious algorithm the more reviews it gets uh, the more the title will end up in that uh, if you like that then you'll like this uh, recommendations for for you know strangers that's how we get this thing to keep growing Um, and all of your support is incredibly appreciated okay enough of all that I want to just thank you guys once again so much for listening I'm John Kim Fay and I'll catch you again next time on Talking at the Diner.